0: Welcome to Vineyard Hopkinton. As we follow Jesus together, we experience the Holy Spirit, create a multicultural community, and pursue kingdom of God justice. Um, And like Sarah said, my name is Mariah Felder, and I have the pleasure of serving at the Elm City Vineyard as their youth pastor. Uh, And like anybody in ministry knows you, that means that you do a lot of other things that may or may not be encapsulated in your title. But My official title is Youth Pastor. Um, And I'm so excited to be here with you all. There is, uh, yeah, no other way I would have wanted to spend the Sunday after Thanksgiving other than giving thanks for uh, the ability to be able to share with uh, with a new community. So I want to jump right in. Um, For the last several weeks, I know that you all have been in a series called, Who Would Jesus Be? And I love this. Uh, Not only because I used to have a WWJD bracelet, uh, but also because it helps us not to just think about what is the right or wrong thing to do, but it helps us to think about who Jesus is and look at that for the example of who we want to be. So today I will be talking about Jesus being a person of Sabbath and rest. So uh, by show of hands, who has ever heard the phrase, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life? So keep your hands up if you believe that's true. Um, so I don't believe that statement is true at all. You all can put your hands down. Um, like, I, like I just mentioned, I am a youth pastor, and I absolutely love my job. I get to work with middle school and high school students. They're amazing. But anyone who has kids or who has worked with kids knows that trying to get 10 to 12, sometimes 20 kids to sit down and learn a thing about Jesus, that is work. That is work, for sure. So this cliche makes it feel like work and uh, love are opposing things. And I don't think they are. So my personal phrase is, if you love what you do, you'll show up again the next day and continue to do it. I say this because I want to make clear that work isn't inherently bad. Good and beautiful things take work, like relationships, gardens, sports. These all these are all things that take work. But the problem with work is, is when it overflows its boundaries. God gave us the practice of Sabbath to keep work and rest in its proper place. Sabbath can uh, most simply be defined as a day of rest. We have six days a week where we can work and accomplish things that we need to get done, but we have one day that God commands us to put work aside to rest. And to be honest, I always think it's funny when I teach about rest uh, and to teach about Sabbath because I resisted and struggled against it so hard when I joined Elm City Vineyard. I uh, was an intern, and I was very vocal about this resistance as well. Uh, I was an intern when I was introduced to the idea of Sabbath, and I was a ministry kid growing up. So, church was just like a volunteer job that you did for Jesus. Like, I knew nothing about rest, right? So, I'm an intern at the church the summer after my first year of grad school, and our pastor's talking about rest. And, like, to be a leader, you need to rest. And I was like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, that's not how this works. Um so he was doing a teaching and he was talking about the three Ps of Sabbath. Pause, pray, and play. And I said, huh? And then he asked us to all make a list of things that were enjoyable and were play for us. And I had the hardest time making this list. Like I was like, I'm a grad I'm a graduate student. I don't know what play is. I don't know what enjoyment is. I just know work. Um and then after that he would ask me and you know in our check-ins he'd be like, so how's your Sabbath going? And I'd look at him and it'd be like, "Sabbath." I was like, "Do you know how many things need to be done at the church?" I was like, "The, the projector needs a new uh, needs a new light bulb." I was like, "The clicker needs new batteries." The kids, ne- the beanbag beans need to be filled up for the youth. I was like, "Sabbath, what?" And he would continue to ask me this question, and I would continue to say, "No, I didn't Sabbath." And it was a completely foreign concept to me. So I was like, one Sunday, I decided I'd try. So I. I'd st- had Sunday church our service was at four o'clock so I got up that morning and I was like okay what am I gonna do that's enjoyable (sighs) I gotta find something enjoyable I have to I have to rest I was like I gotta find a play I was like what's fun I was like I don't know and I was like literally on borderline about to have a panic attack trying to figure out what was fun for me so I quit I said forget it I'm just gonna do work um I'm gonna work on my computer until it's time to go to church and I'm gonna go to church early so I can help anybody else out with their responsibilities so their load is lighter and I was like, this is maybe a bit extreme. So if you're thinking and you're like, oh, wow, she sounds like a workaholic, you're probably right. I think I was. And, you know, it was, came as no surprise when about a year later, I was completely exhausted and burnt out and felt resentful of everything I had done because I was just tired. So if you're like, okay, she's really bad, but I'm not that bad. You're also probably right. But we all have ways that we can fall into this trap of seeing rest and Sabbath as a luxury for those with less work or uh, an inconvenience that keeps us from being as productive as we could be. But God gives us Sabbath as a gift and as an invitation to wholeness. And I want to talk about that gift that the Lord offers to us. So before I go any further, let me pray for us in our time. Holy Spirit, come, be with us. Speak through me and speak to the heart of your people. Help us to see the ways that you meet us uh, in both our work and our rest. And help us to know that you are with us and love us. um, Yeah, and want us to become more and more like you. So we ask all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. So if you will um you can turn with me or uh to follow along or you can uh look at the screen uh we'll be in Mark chapter 2. And Mark chapter 2 explains the way that Sabbath is a gift and not a burden for us. Um so uh like I said Mark chapter 2 I'll start reading at uh verse 23. Uh, one son, one Sabbath Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And he answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And then he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So let me paint the picture for you. Jesus and the disciples are walking through a field, um, and I imagine them walking from town to town, and they were starving. Like, there's nothing that makes you hungrier than, like, walking and teaching and walking and teaching and walking and teaching, and I'm sure it's hot. So, they're hungry, and they saw a field, and they picked some heads of grain to eat. And picking grain is considered uh, harvesting, so it's forbidden on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees were not having it. They called Jesus out immediately, but Jesus, as always, was ready with his comeback. Jesus reminded, them, uh, reminded the Pharisees of the story of David when he was on the run from King Saul, who was trying to kill him, and he ate holy bread from the tabernacle that only the priests were allowed to eat. But the priest made an exception and gave the bread to David and his men so that they wouldn't starve. Jesus references this story from the Old Testament where Jewish laws were broken to meet the needs of David and his men. He's, kind of, he's, he's showing an example of when sometimes you have to bend the rules to actually get to the, the heart of the issue, to get to the heart of the law. The Pharisees were trying to hold Jesus to the letter of the law, but Jesus shows them the heart behind it. Jesus makes the point that the command to Sabbath is good, but sometimes needs to be interpreted if someone is is having to choose between following all of the rules and not eating. Like, what good is keeping the Sabbath if people are hungry? Like, you can't even focus on rest if your needs are not met. So Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Um, But I love the way the New Living Translation uh, says it. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people, not people to meet the requirements of Sabbath. And that is what Jesus is illustrating. Sabbath is, is a gift for us to meet our very human needs of rest, of rejuvenation, of refreshment. And Jesus insists that we must understand Sabbath in light of god's desire for our well-being and the well-being of others. so if the Sabbath is meant to meet our needs as humans, why does it oftentimes feel so difficult? I feel like a like a shallow sense of self-care is much easier, like I can make time to do a face mask before bed um, or I can treat myself to a nice dinner. Or just like lay in bed and do nothing and just scroll for hours. Um, and, I, and I'm like, oh, I can justify that because that's, I'm taking care of myself. But Sabbathing and really doing what the Lord has called us to do, taking a whole day of rest is more difficult because it requires intentionality. It's called a spiritual discipline for a reason. And that's because it doesn't come natural to us. It, it requires practice. And our society does not lend itself to that. In America, we live in a capitalist society where everything is motivated by profit, where our value to an employer or an organization is directly tied to how much we can produce. Researchers have started calling this internalized capitalism. Uh, There's a researcher named Anders Hayden, he, in political science in Nova Scotia, and he defines internalized capitalism as the idea that our self-worth is directly linked to our productivity. Again that our self worth Is linked to our productivity And it makes us feel like It's a sin to be unproductive Like as And as such we must always be producing Because our productivity Is directly in relation to Our worthiness So internalized capitalism is what makes us Say things like I should be doing more Right now I can't sit down There's so much to be done Or I should be farther along in my career by now I should be, I should be doing more And because this is the type of world we live in, it socializes us to worship productivity and attach our worth to our work. And because of that, it's no wonder that we struggle with rest. Because how am I supposed to think about resting if the opposite of resting is working and working is what makes me worthy. So working is what makes me good. So why would I stop doing that? But that's not what Jesus says we feel guilty because it feels like a waste of time or unproductive and capitalism says that a person's value comes from what they do so you can't rest until everything is done and rest is a privilege for those who are productive that is not what the what it, what Jesus says in the kingdom of god each and every one of us has value because we exist because we were made in the image of god and we are deserving of rest simply because we exist not because of how much you have done or not done you deserve rest and refreshment purely because you exist you if you can inhale and exhale you deserve rest but this is the difficult part of living in the already but not yet it feels like the world is operating on this whole other paradigm but when we lean into the kingdom idea of work and rest i genuinely believe that we will find new life and refreshment i love uh the creation story in genesis and in genesis 1 god is creating order from chaos and nothingness he separates heaven from earth night from day um the sea from the land and after all of that on the seventh day he separates work from rest In Genesis 2-3, it says, God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Which literally, to be made holy literally means to be set apart from the other days. So now the practice of Sabbath for us is to separate what we do from who we are. I'll say that again. Sabbath for us is to separate what we do from who we are. Those are not the same thing. And uh, so... I love that there's a phrase in the black community that I see on uh, social media all the time, especially anytime somebody has accomplished an achievement or is graduating from something. And the phrase is, I am my ancestors' wildest dreams. Um, There's cute shirts. And uh, yeah, black folks use this phrase to acknowledge uh, that our ancestors, particularly those who were enslaved, dreamed that we would make it to where we are today and have the opportunities that we have. And yes, that is very true. But sometimes we use it as permission to take part in hustle culture. Like it's all about the grind. I have to continue to make the most of my opportunities. I have to work nonstop because other people before me didn't have these opportunities. You know, hustle, sleep, repeat, right? But in in our pursuit to be our ancestors' wildest dreams or to achieve what no generation before us could, we have to be careful not to shackle ourselves to the same system that enslaved them. While I am sure that my ancestors would be proud that I have two degrees and my grandmother who didn't even finish middle school got to see me graduate from Yale, I don't think that that's their greatest dream. I I think my my ancestors' biggest dream would actually be able to rest when they got tired. To literally not have the value of their life attached to how much cotton they could pick their dream was to take a vacation and not be worried about how they were going to pay rent at the end of the month. So person of color or not, we can all fall into the trap of forgetting about the freedom we've been given and exchange it for a different type of bondage. Whether it's school, it's work, or obsessively trying to distance yourself from the mistakes of your past, we can kind of try to work for our worthiness. And because God is God, God was uh, God has known that humans would make this mistake, and He was worried about the Israelites making this exact same mistake uh, when they were freed from Egypt. So, when God gave the people uh, of Israel the Ten Commandments, He gave it to gave it to them twice, like any good parent. He made sure he had to tell them multiple times. Um, once at Mount Sinai, right after they left Egypt and went into the wilderness, and the second time, 40 years later, before they entered into the promised land. So in Deuteronomy 5, 12-15, uh, Moses is talking to the second generation of Israelites, many of which were never in slavery, and he is commanding them to keep, sab- keep the Sabbath because their ancestors were enslaved. So verse 12 starts, Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male slave or your female slave or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the resident aliens in your town so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. So God has Moses remind the Israelites of the commandments right before they go into the promised land and establish a whole new way of life and have rule over others. Because Moses was like, all right, before you guys go in there and start conquering stuff and building a whole new life, don't forget where you just came from. Like, don't forget the circumstances that you just left. It wasn't that long ago that your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles were slaves in Egypt working for hours in the heat, making bricks with no straw begging for a day off so don't cross the jordan and forget that you are a living witness to their answered prayers don't value building a nation over being present with the god who got you here in the first place so this is how sabbath started like it was all about us being freed from uh being a slave to our work So then when we get to the Gospels, and it seems like Jesus just doesn't care about the rules of the Sabbath, he's letting people pick grain, he's healing, and they're like, hey, you're not supposed to be doing any of this. What's going on? Jesus actually is getting to the heart and the ultimate purpose of the Sabbath, which is to promote, which is, uh, Sabbath is designed to promote life and wholeness and to glorify God as a liberator and our sustainer that we are not the ones who sustain ourselves, but it's God who does that. And when we understand the gift of Sabbath and the freedom that God offers through it, hopefully it becomes something that we can look forward to, something that we uh, can't wait for every week because we realize that we have been freed from a life of work and productivity to enjoy both work and rest in their proper bounds. And just one more note on this passage in Deuteronomy, um, God just doesn't command the people of Israel to Sabbath. It applies to everyone. Uh, Their slaves, their livestock, everyone. And I believe that God is highlighting this because when you value rest, it affects the kind of community that you build. It affects the way you run your business or the way you treat your employees or the people that you supervise. When you value rest, you you look at life differently. You interact with people differently. And it just shapes the way that you view and relate to other people. And because Jesus valued his own time to rest, he also encouraged his disciples to rest as well. A few chapters after the Sabbath incident in Mark 2, uh, we go to Mark 6, where Jesus takes the disciples away to rest. Earlier in Mark 6, Jesus had sent the disciples out in pairs to go and teach um, and cast out demons and heal the sick. So then in Mark 6.30, they come back to Jesus Uh, to report back. And it says that the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. So Jesus knew better than anyone the toll that traveling, teaching, and healing can take on a person, so he His disciples went away for the first time without him. They were like, hey, that was a lot. I know I've experienced that. Let's take some time. Let's get in a boat. Let's go as far away as we can to just get some time away. And they tried. But Jesus is Jesus. So a whole multitude of people ran to catch up to them. And they met them when they got to this solitary place. Um, And the Bible says that Jesus had compassion for them. So he taught them, and he healed. And when it got late, the the people needed to eat, which is where we get the story of multiplying the five loaves and the two fish because they were in such a remote place that they couldn't just pop over to a village market. Like, Jesus got away, away. Like, he was like, hey, let's see how far we can go from the nearest town, right? So he, he was like, all right, we have to take what we have. We'll multiply that because there's no town to send you to because we were really trying to just get away and rest. And even though Jesus didn't get to give the disciples the retreat he had hoped for, I do believe that Jesus made sure they were still able to rest. And after pulling off such a miracle, much as Jesus often did, he still had to be intentional about his own time to get away to rest. So uh, in verse 45, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go go ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after leaving them, he went up to the mountainside to pray. So Jesus models for us what it looks like to practice Sabbath and to value times of rest. If Jesus, who had people to teach, uh, demons to cast out, people to heal, sins to forgive, has time to take a Sabbath and take some time to rest, I think we do too. And and please, do not get me wrong, I am not dismissing the fact that some of us have very real barriers to taking off an entire day. Some of us are parents, caregivers for loved ones, are working multiple jobs to make ends meet, or any other number of uh, situations that make Sabbath difficult. Those are real. But we all can be intentional about finding rhythms of rest that work in our lives. There's a Jewish rabbi, Abraham Joshua Heschel, who says that Sabbath is not a date. It's an atmosphere. It's not a particular day on the calendar or a day of the week. It's a, it's a way of going about being with God and resting in the presence of God. It's an attitude that we take to our rest. So it's not about what day you choose or how much time you take off. But the most important thing is entering into the rest that God offers us in his presence. So I started off my talk talking about how I was terrible about resting, and it felt like a burden for me. But my turning point came after I took my first job after graduation, uh, and I moved to D.C. to work at a church there. And I had so many responsibilities. I had so much work, um, and it just felt like uh, I was in a constant state of being overwhelmed. And it broke me. I, I just would be crawling to Monday. I'm like, Sunday afternoon, I'm like, all right, I just gotta gotta make it to Monday. It's my one day off, like, I just gotta make it. And I'm like, sitting in the second service, I'm like, okay. I was like, Monday is coming, Monday is coming, because I'm just, I'm like, tired, right? Just, my mind is just always spinning. And then I would get to Monday and my mind would already be racing and like making a to-do list of all the things that I had to do when I got to the office on Tuesday. And I was like, this isn't good. And I was forced to really see the true value of rest, that it was an opportunity for me to be present with God and to be refreshed for the things ahead. So I had to learn. I was like, all right, I don't know what's fun for me, so I just got to start trying stuff. I was like, all right, we're just, I'm going to hop on the Metro. I was like, we're going to check out museums. I'm just going to try stuff until I realize what's fun, because I know that I need to like figure out what rest looks like for me. And it was a a year of trial and error, but I figured it out. I was like, okay, I I can enjoy things. I can turn my brain off sometimes to just be present with the Lord. So now I take lots of walks. Um, it, and I mean, I live in New Haven, so like it's a very urban city. Personally, I don't, nature walks are great, but I like city walks. Um, usually city walks between bookstores. Um, those are my favorite types of walks from one bookstore to another. Um, but I meet God in in those walks. um, And I ask God to forgive me for buying more books um, on those walks. But I was forced in that time to see what the true value of rest was, that I need to spend time having fun and spend time with God and to remember that I am not the person that everything depends on. And I will admit, I still struggle with taking longer periods of rest, like, you know, over a week and stuff like that, but I will gladly take my Sabbath every week because I know what it feels like to run on empty, to just feel like I'm just, I'm just here. Like, how are you? I'm alive. Look, you see me? That is what I have for you. And, I don't, and that's not how God calls us to live and that's not how I give my best to anything. I realize that I don't have to run on empty and I've seen that the world doesn't fall apart when I don't get everything done so I can rest well. I can rest well because God offers us a Sabbath rest for our wholeness. I can rest well because I've been free from being a slave to my work. I can rest well because I know that I am more than what I do. I can rest well because I know I am not the one who keeps the earth spinning. And I can rest well because I know that I am loved by God regardless of what I get checked off on my to-do list and I can rest well because I may not know what the future holds, but I know who holds my future. I can rest well, and the same thing is true for each and every one of you. The practice of Sabbath is an acknowledgment of our trust in God as our sustainer and the ultimate source of life. God has given us the Sabbath as a reminder that we have been freed from using our work as our primary source of validation, and it reminds us for God's desire for us to have an abundant life. In the life of Jesus, we see a demonstration of what that looks like. Jesus explained that Sabbath is less about what you can and cannot do on a particular day, but more of your state of being. Jesus made sure that he, that he and his disciples were fed <coughs> physically and that people's bodies were whole so that they could actually take part in that true rest. And Jesus showed us that even when there are people who need your attention or your help, you can still take time away by yourself to rest, to pray, and to be in the presence of God because everything does not depend on us. So for us, what does it look like to be more like Jesus in this way? First and foremost... It means that we see ourselves as a child of God who is made for wholeness and rest apart from what we do. It means that we can bring the same intentionality that we take to our work, to our rest. And finally, it it means that Sabbath is just not another thing that you have to do, but it's something that you get to do. Resting in the presence of God, whether it's for 20 minutes or 24 hours, is a gift that we all have the opportunity to to receive. So before I close, I want to leave you all with just a few invitations. The first is if you don't have a weekly Sabbath uh, set aside, I invite you to start one. Oh, and the worship team can comment on um I, I would say start with a couple hours each week. If you feel like you need to work your way up to a, a, a full day, just start with, hey, here's four hours on a Saturday or four hours on a Sunday that I'm calling my Sabbath. And you can work your way up to it. If you already have a Sabbath rhythm, ask God where you can receive more of the Holy Spirit's refreshment, uh, more than just physical rest. And if you are sitting here and you're having difficulty accepting the gift of rest or wrestling with guilt from being unproductive, I invite you to ask God for the freedom to receive God's rest because it is free and available to you. So uh, let me pray for us as I close. God, thank you for your rest that you invite us into, that you offer us as a free gift because you love us, because you know exactly what we need and what we need more than anything is time uh, spent with you time away from the things that can distract, time away from uh, yeah, all of the other things that pull on our attention God help us to see that we are worthy, that we are loved that we are enough because you love us and that is all that is required God help us to uh, to see the ways and the, the rhythms of our life where we can make time to enter into that rest with you uh, but most of all, God, help us to know that you care for us and love us and uh, and have called us and desire a abundant life for us, which means entering into your rest. So, God, uh, help us to be more and more uh, like you. Help us to walk in the way of Jesus. And we ask all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. Mm-hmm.